coming up in one minute on the Jack and Around podcast. They got married uh, in, uh, I guess, 71, Jody and Sammy. And when they had me, Jody's wife had a problem with it. Ex-wife? <laughs> no. <laughs> he never got divorced from his wife, so mom and his marriage wasn't really legal. Well, it is a birthright. I mean, I, I don't joke when I call country royalty a real thing, you know. I am born into it. You were going to be a preacher. Well, yeah. This podcast might be about three or four hours. Uh, ended up having an affair with a monk up the street at the Catholic College. I know this doesn't sound healthy, but... Well, let me write just... that down. <laughs> I was a hooker for a long time, for a while. Now, Frank says I wanted to be the first openly gay country singer in country music. Now, I don't remember saying that. I don't. I wouldn't put it past me. And there was Keith Gaddis. I was like, hey, man, what are you doing? And uh, that clicked something special. But when one outrageous story is enough to have a deep impact on somebody's life, let's talk about the abuse. That's one thing that could be huge. Then let's talk about the coming out and getting kicked out of your family. That's another thing. All of these situations on their own could make a psychologist rich. At some point you go, hey, man, are you bullshitting me? Stories bring lessons, laughter, unforgettable experiences, and memories that far outlive the storytellers themselves. Great stories happen to those who can tell them. This is the Jack and Around podcast, hosted by two-time Academy of Country Music Award winner and master storyteller Jack Ingram. In these open dialogue podcasts, Jack digs into the personal stories of a wide variety of special guests, including your favorite music, sports, and entertainment personalities. And now to introduce today's guest, here is podcast producer, Matt Bevato. Thank you, Mr. Rowdy Yates, for that intro. Welcome to the highlights of the second episode of the Jack and Around podcast. Each episode will have an associated shorter highlight version, about 20, 30 minutes of the full episode. I'll leave a link to the full podcast below in the description. With that said, today's guest, we welcome Mr. Waylon Payne. His namesake and godfather is Waylon Jennings. His father is the late Jody Payne, who played guitar for Willie Nelson for 35 years. His late mother, Sammy Smith, one of the first outlaw, female outlaw country music singers, best known for her 1971 crossover hit, Help Me Make It Through the Night. She subsequently won a CMA award and a Grammy, inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in the late 90s. Waylon's released two records, one in the early 2000s, most recently in September 2020. He's also been in about a dozen movies, including playing Jerry Lee Lewis in Walk the Line. Before I toss it to Jack, some quick housekeeping notes. Please like, share, and give this podcast a big old five-star rating, please. Provided in the description below are links to social media, the website, jackandaroundpodcast.com, and bios of the guest and host. And speaking of the host, here's Jack Ingram. Jack and Around. Jack Ingram and Waylon Payne. Welcome. That's badass. Well, Does that happen every time you pull that trigger? No. Sometimes it's a little more magical than others. <laughs> really? I'm going to need to get one of those guns. And the whole thing about the openness, man, uh, it's been horrible. My life has, has been horrible at times, um, but so have a lot of other people's. Um, I just choose to use my memories and experiences uh and as I sort through them, try to help pass along what I learned. That's about it. Um, I've never talked about the stuff that I'm talking about as I get ready for this record to come out. 
thank God I am. I mean, you know, thank God I have the ability. Maybe, you know, maybe it needs to be talked about once. They got married uh, in, uh, I guess, 71, Jody and, and uh, Sammy, and uh, <clears throat> had me. And when they had me, Jody's wife had a problem with it. Ex-wife? <laughs> no. <laughs> he never got divorced from his wife, so mom and his marriage wasn't really legal, and that they had it. In, so we're in, building this thing on the rock. It was. Uh, it was. <laughs> was pretty crazy. And then him and Jimmy Day stole all of her band equipment one night and went to Mexico and bought speed with it, and it kind of put her out of business. So that was the end of Jody. And uh, he went to work for Willie after that. They had a really. They did a lot of speed, um, Daddy and and uh, uh, I guess Mama and the cats back then in the day it was the thing well that was the thing yeah they had but they they didn't uh they didn't see each other again for a long time well it's weird because there are tv shows where like willie will do a show with sammy and sammy will open the show you know and she's doing her thing and willie and mama are like all over each other singing and uh, i think i've seen some of those yeah and then willie comes on with then there's jody over there in the corner like going and here's mom over sitting on mickey's lap you know flirting with everybody and it was really uncomfortable but they never they were together again my aunt didn't really like my mother she didn't like my mother is this your my mother's brother's wife, the lady that raised me? She put me with them from the time I was two months old. Because um, seventy two, I was born. It was the year she got the Grammy. She was she had to work, and that's mm-hmm. what she wanted to do. So she did it. Put me with them. They raised me as their own um, all through my life until the time I was eighteen, minus a couple of years. You know, a year here with mom, or a year there with mom when she'd get married to somebody, or. Um, you know, but they were the stable uh, kind of family mm-hmm. in my life. She was beautiful. Uh, I never heard anybody sing like her in my life. And it's not just because I was her kid. Maybe it was. But uh, it, she just was a different soul. And, and she didn't know how to deal with me, I don't think. And, and she put me where she thought I would be safe because she had work to do. Mm-hmm. You know, daddy was not a, not an option. And when you hooked up with Jody, was it on tour bus well, or was it, it on? Was, he came to Frisco. I wrote him a letter. This is, this was, this was how cool Jody was. I wrote a letter. He got in on a Thursday, I think, and was in Frisco from Alabama Friday afternoon. He was like, he was there. And he was not at all what I was expecting. But we started hanging out, and uh, you know, I, I kind of was like, "Well, okay, if this is my dad, well, then I I must try to get to know him." And but it just was not something that uh, ever came easy. We bonded over cocaine and booze and speed, and and that's and and music. That's right. just that's just what his deal was. When I had my coming out experience, if you will, it kind of happened in some family. Uh, drama. Uh, her brother had been pulling some shit with me for years, and uh, and when it all came out at a counseling session at my Baptist college, the family uh, called me a liar and threw me out. And uh, he went on to be a deacon, you know, somewhere in a different town. And, really? 
Yeah, and my mom for a long for a, a, a good period of time, um, for about four or five years, uh, was like, you know, you can't, you, we don't want anything to do with you. And if you come to my house, my my husband is gonna he'll shoot you on sight. Good lord, it's kind of hard to hear from your mom, that, especially one that you. Well, you know, you there, was, yeah, so there was, you know, there was a, she was a darling, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of torture in her life too. You were going to be a preacher. Well, yeah. Um, you know, um, this podcast might be about three or four hours. It's a long twisted story <laughs> and a lot of it's fucked up and weird, but it's all true. I, uh, ended up having an affair with a monk up the street at the Catholic college. I know this doesn't sound healthy, but. Let me write just... that down. <laughs> <laughs> And they caught me. They, they, the, the school, the, there, it was a long story. There was closed circuit TV in the place where we hung out and they got back to the Oklahoma Baptist. They flipped out. They hooked me up with the, this therapist. He's this gay dude, you know, and they thought they'd paired me up right and everything. So he's like, okay, so what are you here for? And I went, Bleh. spit it all out on the table. And at the end of it, he was sitting there going, <laughs> So what did he say? Nothing. He <laughs> treated me for about two and a half months. And then he decided that he was going to leave the field of. Uh, he guess, got overwhelmed. Counseling. I guess he got he overwhelmed. He knocked him out. <laughs> <laughs> I knocked him out a little. I was a hooker for a long time, for a while during there, you know, because I, I mean, I could make money, you know, it was just. A, it was How a dangerous was that? It was crazy. It was weird. But I mean, and I made peace with it, uh, or I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I just, I had been doing it for years. I was kind of disappointed in the choice of selection, if you will. <laughs> I was like, this certainly isn't like I thought it would be. Nothing ever was, you know. You're looking for Mark Wright. He's waiting for you. Mark Wright. Mm hmm. So I, I don't know what I said to him. I was like, I'm Sammy Smith's son. I want to be a singer. I'm a, Huh. We talked for a minute or two, and he's like, I think I want you to step next door and meet my partner. Uh, I think he'll be able to help you. And so I did, and it was Frank. <laughs> now, Frank says that uh, I came into his office and um, <laughs> can't wait to hear this. told him that I wanted to be the first openly gay country singer in country music. I don't remember saying that. I don't. I wouldn't put it past me. But he said, he asked me then, uh, well, do you uh, write songs? I said, no. <laughs> he says, you play guitar? You want to sing me something? I said, no. <laughs> like, are, you, are you even gay? He's like, <laughs> uh, but you got your work cut out for you. Wow. And that was our first introduction. And we started hanging out, me and Frank. I start hanging with Shelby. We did some demos. I took them back to Mark Wright and Frank. Didn't work. No. And one of them was holding it, let me love you like a man. I mean, it was really not a, it was really not a. Swinging for the fences. <laughs> it was really good. It was really like, you know, and they were like. Mm. I start working for her, singing harmony in her, in her band for this record, this new I Am Shelby Lynn record. I got fired in California because I was drinking. I didn't have any money to get home. She wouldn't give me a bus ticket home. She wouldn't. So I was just there. And so. Started staying on some friends' couches um, and slowly just kind of started trying to figure out what I wanted to do in California. And wasn't too long after that, I was driving down the road and I was stopped at a red light and I looked over and there was Keith Gaddis. Like, 
hey man, what are you doing here? And you know him? Oh yeah, from Nashville. We had used to sing in, in, on Broadway. He's like, hey man, what are you doing? And uh, that clicked something special. Was that record your first big batch of songs? Oh yeah. It was my first batch of songs that I wrote by myself. Yeah. I That's mean, pretty I'd incredible. I been co-writing man. with some other folks, but these were my thoughts and, and my things. And, and, uh, and you had no idea at that point that Gaddis hates everything. No, and he doesn't I really look out of his own shadow me, a lot. Dude. He just loved me. He took me under his wing, and man, we were best buddies. Well, I just love it that Gaddis, as talented as he is, it, it's, it's, I've, I've talked about this with him before, so it's not like I'm speaking out of turn, but like for him to step out of his own shadow. And really dive into somebody else's art. Oh, well, don't think that it wasn't uh, totally turned by his hands. There were several times when we fought, and there were several times when he threatened to pull the plug if I didn't fucking get my act together and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? There was a lot of that. Well, I can and see him doing that because in his mind, he's like, I'm taking time out yeah, of I'm the being boss. Keith Gaddis yeah, to yeah. To, yeah. To, to work with you. But he got a great record. Fuck so yes, it he was, did, uh, It was, you know, I'll never be able to thank him enough for that. So Mama did not understand while we were making that record. She died before that record came out. And, um, but she got to hear it when we, we finished and she fucking destroyed me because she hated it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She was like, you've been fucking recording an album for six months and this is what you got. She didn't understand it. No, because she was like, you know, I mean, she recorded, she could record 17 albums in six months, you know? And this new record, there's nothing, that that was a beautiful thing about that was it's all live from the floor. Well, there I've heard different few, versions of these songs though too. Well, you heard, you've heard this record for the past 10 years. Right. Now you heard the first versions I did down in Austin. I've done two versions of this album. Right. The first version was uh, uh, what I did with Matt Hubbard over at Willie's studio. I took that record to Frank, and and he was like, "This is this is really really great, but I I want to make it better." And did he say kind of what I'm saying? Like some of it, Well, no. The one that the one that he heard, the songs are all there. They're 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 exactly the way that they were recorded on the Texas one. There are a few that aren't on there because I had a few different ideas and, and things. But um, Frank Make loved it. Better it. He just wanted it sonically. The musician. He wanted it to be better musicians, better. It's like when Loretta Lynn went in and sang "Honky Tonk Girl" for the first time, and they stopped the session, and the guy goes, "I need." I don't need uh, more pickers. I need better pickers, you know? And Frank, man, Frank knew what he was getting. He knew what he wanted, and he gave me exactly what I needed, I yeah. think. You've you been know? lucky to have people that really have great taste yeah. take a real interest in what you do, because both Gaddis and Frank are two. I have a lot of great father figures in my life, yeah. but, you know, and uh, it's kind of worked its way out. Um, you know, Frank is, Frank's been, Frank's been solid as a rock for 25 years in my life. Which know? might be the first time I've ever heard anybody say those words about, about Frank. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> He's good shit. 
you know? He's great. He's one of the only guys in town that, that I've ever, over the course of 20 years, 25 years, if I don't trust any opinion, I'll give a song or a record or whatever to Frank and go, okay, man, what do you think? And he'll, he'll come back and go, hey, man. This, what you want from him is to have him come back going, hey, hey, man. Hey, uh, this fired me up. I'm hey, fired man. up. Yeah, fired up, man. <laughs> but he always gives really good advice. And he has, you, you can trust him. Mm-hmm. Same with Gaddis. Like, they might not give you the accolades or the, or the flowery language that you want. But they're going to go, hey, this could be better. Mm-hmm. I, I sent Frank a record and he goes, hey, man, why don't you just scrap this and go do something great while nobody's watching? Yeah. And I go, oh, 10 4, good buddy. Buddy Will drove me to the audition and I was like, I really think I want to audition for this other part of Jerry Lee Lewis because it's really, <laughs> I love you. it's really good, you know? And, and uh, when I got there, um, James Mangold, the, the director, um, uh, met and we shook hands and we started talking and I was like, uh, Hey, I know I read for Waylon Jennings, but this other part's really, really, I think it might be more me. He was like, well, that's really what we were kind of looking at you for. And would you like to consider reading for Jerry Lee Lewis? So I read for it. And that's so funny, man. They already was. knew. Well, I guess they did. And he was like, at the end of the meeting, he said, uh, <laughs> He said, no, do you play piano? And I lied through my teeth. I said, absolutely. And he said, well, can you have a video here uh, back for us maybe tomorrow afternoon of you playing some? I'm like, yes, sure. sure. <laughs> and, Jump off the cliff. And I went back to the house and I had a piano. What did you learn? Just a couple block chords? I or? learned I'm not Lisa. Oh, yeah. And uh, I uh, played it all afternoon and all evening. And I could play Great Balls of Fire because it was in G and it had three chords, but it wasn't fast. Right. And uh, that's. But you picked that up that afternoon. It did. I, I, yeah. I, I was determined to do it. I know. I knew a few chords on the piano. So it wasn't like it was a foreign thing. I didn't go in and just automatically teach myself stuff. But it took me a few minutes to get my fingers to know where they were supposed to go. And it's all re- repetition. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And they called me back and they were like, hey, congratulations, Mr. Lewis. It's it's amazing to me listening to this story, and you we've known each other a long time, and we've talked pretty in depth at times, but never all in one setting where, like, I'm overwhelmed. Thanks for like being a listener, you know, because people can like, it, it's I don't know, it's not easy to be friends sometimes because you have to fucking go places that are weird. You made a comment, you were like, I don't. When I said something, you were like, okay. I don't know whether I want to call bullshit on this or not because I just don't, I don't know what I want, you know, but, and it does. Some of it is just outrageous. Well, when one outrageous story is enough to have a deep impact on somebody's life, let's talk about the abuse. That's one thing that could be huge. Then let's talk about the coming out and getting kicked out of your family. That's another thing. And then that jumps to all of these different situations, being a, you know, having to sell yourself all of these situations on their own could make a psychologist rich. Oh, of course. Hey, and, and each one of them going to the next hey. one. Some, at some point, you go, "Hey, man, are you bullshitting me?" I remember the other night we were talking, and you you were halfway through some of these stories, and I was like, "Well, this one time, man, I got this terrible paper cut on my <laughs> on my finger, and it hurt it really for like hurt three. Really and I put alcohol on it. I was like, ow, ow. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, man. 
I don't know what this is, but Thanks, it's been pal. fun talking with you. It's been fun talking to you too. Uh, I'm going to go to the restroom now. And three, two, one. Hey, come on, do it. What happened? I blew that load. Man. Man.